number 107. Number 107. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're so good, you need to be in the Christmas choir on Wednesday night. All right. <laughs> now turn over. You can be seated after all that. Turn over to 174. Number 174. Last verse, and I have brought 
grateful for the time we've had today to worship you. We thank you for the warm fellowship that's in this building, and I pray that you will bless this time of offering now, bless Brother Daniel as he brings a message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, David. Thank you for that. If you have your Bibles, turn your Bibles to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. We are going through, on Sunday evenings, we are going through the book of Acts. Outstanding verses tonight. It's really turned dark on us already. Can you all believe that? Winter is here, I guess, with the time change. You want to pull out also your um, bulletin inserts. Your, the, your bulletin insert, make sure you flip over to the one there on your back. It talks about a church on fire. So we will be going through this uh, this evening. I just came out of a meeting. The reason I walked in two minutes before the service started, or less than two minutes, is because we had our men's ministry meeting. You know, we have a very active men's ministry here at Broadway Baptist Church. And it's something that we plan a, a, a monthly breakfast as well as talking about how to engage, really, we're trying to engage two different types of men. New men, maybe you see some new faces, some guys who aren't really connected in this church, and secondly, younger guys, engaging them with that. So that is a, a goal that we're aiming for. There's lots of different ways. So hopefully, um, you know, we've talked about, is 8 a.m. too early for young guys? to come to prayer breakfast on a Saturday. So that is um, one of the questions we were trying to answer and it's a, uh, uh, as well as looking ahead in 2020 for certainly doing that. But do be in prayer. When you see, when you come to church here and you see a new face and you see someone new, you want to make sure you extend a hand of friendship, welcome them. Remember, if folks don't feel welcome, if they don't feel greeted at church, they're not coming back. They won't return. It's so important that we, when we see folks out here, whether it's on Sunday or Wednesday or whatever's going on, that we stop and we acknowledge them. 
And, uh, and I, I'm proud. I think we do a very good job. Uh, I think there's obviously ways we could certainly improve. And it's something for us. One of the things that uh, we do need to improve on is when you come into the sanctuary, if you look around and you f- see maybe a new face before the service starts or maybe even after s- service is over, it's tempting to go and want to talk to your friends. But you, it's also important if you, before you catch your friends, if you just stop by and thank that person for being here, let them know how appreciative they are, and especially if it's at the 9 o'clock service, ask them if they need help finding a Sunday school class or if they know where they're going. That is a great way to certainly connect people to Sunday school as well as get them uh, connected and involved in other folks. So I wanted to certainly share about that. That's what we've been talking about in our men's, um, men's ministry meeting there, about uh, g- getting to know and connecting with guys. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. This here is an incredible passage of Scripture. What's going on we're about to read here is we're about to see the first Gentile in the book of Acts come to faith in Christ. And I want to give you some background information here. Remember the, uh, the, the chapter or the verses before here in chapter 8. What happened is the gospel. Remember what happens in the gospel. You have Jewish Christians coming to faith in Christ. That's Pentecost. Then you go up. Philip starts preaching the gospel in Samaria, which are partially Jewish people, and they had relations with non-Jews, and they married, they intermarried, and their children, they're partially Jewish. They're called Samaritans. Jewish people did not like them. They lived north of Jerusalem, in the region there, between Galilee and Judea, that entire region is called Samaria. Typically, what, if a Jewish person was passing through Samaria, they would go across the Jordan River and go around them so they would not have to cro- go on the other side of the tracks. That, that sounds absurd. This is what it's like. Say you did not like Tennessee, but you had to go to Alabama. You would drive over to Virginia, to North Carolina, to South Carolina, well, actually, from North Carolina, to, you go down to Georgia and then hit Alabama. So you can avoid going into Tennessee. Any possible way to avoid where, uh, avoid these types of people. So that's what was going on there. But what we're about to see here is now a new people group is about to come to know the gospel. And this is important because I would guess probably most of us fall in that people group. Most of us are probably Gentiles. And this is when the gospel starts to go to Africa. It's already starting to spread into the northern regions there up in Antioch. It's it's headed that way. But now God is going to use a very unlikely person to bring the gospel down into an area called Ethiopia. Now, this Ethiopia is called the Kingdom of Cush in the Bible. If you look at an old-timey map, Kingdom of Cush is what we call southern Egypt in current-day northern Sudan. So the Ethiopia on the map today isn't quite the Ethiopia where it is 2,000 years ago. It's just over about 1,000 miles. And that's, that's where the current-day Ethiopia, or the Bible Ethiopia is. And that's what we see. There's a man we're going to see here. And I want to remind you, when you see the word eunuch, you say, what is a eunuch? This, this is a person. If you were a, if you were a king... 
say I'm a king and Sherry Osno, there's a queen. And I have to go out and travel in war. But I know I'm going to be away for a long time. And I have to have male servants in my home. And I don't want male servants to take advantage of my queen. So what I do is they become eunuchs. Meaning they aren't able to have sexual relations. So you know you're in good shape that the person that's working in your palace, all the men there, are not in a position to rape your wife. And that's what a eunuch is. Eunuchs live in palaces. They live there. They tend typically to queens and to kings. And they run the palace while the king's away. They take care of everything. They're men. They're strong. Usually uh, they're very knowledgeable, very clean cut. They take care of things. And that's what we see here. We're going to see a eunuch that comes to know the Lord through the preaching and the teaching and the explanation of the scriptures by one of our deacons called Philip. Remember the first deacon we know was Stephen. He died. He preached and he didn't make it very long. How about one chapter of goodness for him? Then he's in heaven right now. The next, then we get to chapter 8 here. That was chapter 7 for Stephen. Chapter 8, a next deacon named Philip, the evangelist, he comes, steps up, and he starts boldly preaching the gospel, and a revival breaks out in Samaria. But now God's going to continue to use him. And I think the important thing for us is what we see here is Philip is going to lead this man to Christ by explaining the scriptures. All around us, there's people all here in our community that probably pick up the Bible and they do not understand it. They would enjoy learning and being taught the Bible, but for whatever reason, they've been blinded. In fact, one of the prophecies against the Jewish people is Jesus declared that the Jewish folks have been blinded to Him being the Messiah. And the reason why is that's because they killed all the other prophets all the prophets that spoke about Jesus coming as the Messiah, and they constantly disobeyed and rejected the Lord as their God. So now, naturally, here they are in the Scriptures, and they're rejecting Jesus as the Messiah. But for us, for this, we want to be able to take everyday conversations, everyday experiences at work and with your family and at school, and turning them into gospel conversations. You and I have been called to be personal evangelists. We can't say, well, I'm, I'm not a deacon. This doesn't apply to me. No, Jesus is telling us that we do need to do that. So why don't you follow along? Pull out your hand out and you want to follow along here in your Bible. Verse 26. Here it is, up here on the board. An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. Get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Do you all know where Gaza is? Gaza is a Palestinian area today. It's called the Gaza Strip. You're not even allowed to enter it there. They'll kill you. Two million people live in this tiny little patch of land. It's one of the most contested areas on earth. Constant fighting is going on right now in Gaza. If you get near there, Gaza is where the people... Are, are literally trapped, the Palestinians, and they're firing missiles and they're throwing bombs, anything they can get to basically get rid of these walls that are, really have kept them in. They don't like it. So they're, they're, they're in an area, it's interesting, of all places, they're at Gaza, which is now a Palestinian area. 
which is a very contested area here in 2019. It's a desert road. This is the way you would travel along the Mediterranean Sea to go down, to e down towards Egypt. You would pass through Gaza. Today, you and I, if we wanted to go to Gaza, we wouldn't be able to get in. They would not allow us. It's a restricted area. Only Palestinians can get in there. They can't get out once they get in. So Philip is to go down to this area called Gaza. All right, next verse here, verse 27. So he got up and went. That's an important Bible verse. The man obeyed the Lord. That's step one to seeing the obedience. God spoke to this man saying, you're going to have a gospel opportunity and you, he's obeying the Lord. For us, that's literally daily. We wake up, we live and say, God, bring someone in my path. I want you all to know, both my cars, I keep gospel tracks. Any opportunity, put something in someone, put a Gideon Bible, put a gospel track, anything you can put, you have no idea of how that stuff's going to be used. And the Lord works in mysterious ways. He can use unlikely people in unlikely situations to share the gospel. There was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch, a high official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. So this lady named Candace, who's there, the queen of, Eth of the Ethiopians, and she was in charge of the entire treasury. You know what that means? The woman was wealthy. He had come to worship in, in Jerusalem. So this man would tend to her, and he had been in Jerusalem, but now he was going to go home. And he was sitting in his chariot on his way home, reading the prophet Isaiah aloud. That's very common in Bible times. Do you know in 1611, when King James there in, in England commissioned the King James Bible, the King James Bible was wrote in a way that is to be read aloud. That's for public reading of the scripture. A lot of times we don't, a lot of times the only public reading of the scripture you even see more is in church or maybe in your Sunday school class. Do you ever read the Bible at home aloud with your spouse, with your family? Before the Thanksgiving meal, do you read scripture together aloud? That was very common to see this uh, uh, scripture being read aloud. The Spirit told Philip, Go and join that chariot. So what's going to happen is Philip's going to jump in the conversation. That's what we're about to see. When Philip ran up to him, he heard the reading. He heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. And he said, so understand, this probably isn't just one chariot. It's a caravan here. So you have Candace, and you probably had other, other eunuchs, and they're all traveling back home. There probably could have been 40, 50 folks. Big caravans headed home. And Philip comes up along them. He's walking along because they're walking along, so he's probably walking fast. And he hears the words. He hears the public reading, the out loud reading of Isaiah. And he asks the question, do you understand what you're reading? That's a common question for today. Do you understand this? Have you ever spoke to someone about Scripture? And they just, they're lost. They don't, they don't know what's, they don't understand. It. This is what the eunuch said. How can I, he said, unless someone guides me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. You see, this is just a divine appointment. Now the scripture passage he was reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. 
And as a lamb is silent before its shear, so he does not open his mouth. This is, he's reading Isaiah 53, 7 and 8. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will describe his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So we know what's being read here is this is a messianic verse. God had timed it. It's perfect timing. Uh, Philip walked up to this divine appointment, and he's right there reading the scripture. Any conversation about the Lord, especially a conversation you weren't planning on having, is very likely a divine conversation. One of our greatest challenges today is people don't talk about the Lord. You have to engage people and look and create gospel conversations. In our men's ministry meeting here, we just had, one of the gentlemen was sharing there about we need to have more testimonies and get guys to stand up for 10, 12, 15 minutes and just share what the Lord's doing in their life. You don't hear that a lot. And just give a testimony and a, an acknowledgement of how God is working. The eunuch said to Philip, I asked you, Who's the prophet Isaiah talking about? Himself or someone else? He's setting up for Philip to come in and share the gospel. Now look what Philip says here. Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus beginning with that scripture. Leave, it up, leave that verse there up on the board. Look at this verse here. This is an important Bible verse. About six or seven years ago, I was at church in Georgia, and our church, very similar to the, our church here, had an upward program. And we had um, a lady who was uh, one of our upward, we did upward flag football and upward soccer, and along with cheerleading with the flag football. Well, we had one of the cheerleading coaches, and she even went to our church, she said one little girl's in her cheerleading squad wanted to talk about, because in Upward you go through this thing, talk about knowing the Lord, about getting saved. And what happened was, it was that time she says, well, does anybody here want to come to know the Lord, having questions? And this little girl like raised her hand or made a comment, such as, well, I'd like to get saved. And uh, I'd like to know more about Jesus. I'm interested in learning more. And the the sweet cheerleading coach, I just don't think she was prepared for a yes answer. She just didn't actually think somebody would respond. So sure enough, she didn't know what to do. She's like, whoa, whoa, that's not in the book right there. So what, what to do when someone expresses interest in Jesus? So here's what happened. I was out there, and she says, Daniel, quick, I need to talk to you. This little girl is wanting to know more about Jesus, and uh, I've been with her all year. She's been asking these questions. She raised her hand. Do you mind coming talking to her and telling her about Jesus? Well, at this point, the, sea, the game was nearly over, or was over for that little cheerleading. So we're in this transition. So I walk over there. And I walk up to the, this little girl. Now, I don't even know the girl's name. The coach had to tell me the girl's name. I had no clue who she was. Then her mo the girl's mama comes up. 
And the coach does what I call the, the pastor handoff. And this is really not a good move. Because understand what happened. This young lady had a relationship with her cheerleading coach. The, when she came to our church, she only knew that cheerleading coach. The cheerleading coach taught her, spoke to her, and then all of a sudden, this other man, who she has no clue is, he shows up and says, all right, we're here to talk about Jesus. Fear came across all her, her face. You could see it in her eyes. She didn't know who I was. I didn't know who she was. And now I'm about to talk to her about knowing the Lord. And after it was over, she became very quiet. She didn't want to speak up anymore. She's scared to death of me. She didn't know me. She was seven, eight, nine years old, just a young girl. After it was over, I told that coach, I said, it probably would have been better in the future if you, since you have a relationship with these children and this person, if you talk to them about knowing the Lord. Because all gospel opportunities, every opportunity you and I get on sharing the gospel comes through a relationship. The good news of Jesus comes to people through others. When you pass it off to someone else, all of a sudden, that relationship isn't there. And that's what happened. She clammed up. And it's important. Philip, he comes up to this man and starts asking this eunuch about, hey, you're reading some scripture there, I see. Who knows how long he had been walking along for all we know, they could have had some chit-chat before they actually even uh, got, uh, got into a deeper conversation about Jesus. Now, could you imagine Philip? He's walking along and the man asks the question, well, who's the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Philip stops and says, let me call Peter. You need to talk to my boss about this. Have you ever had a telemarketer call you and you express interest to you? told me I'm not allowed to tell any more telemarketing jokes. But you, because you, they call me all the time. They actually call me today. They call you and you express interest in something. Do you know what they do? They then send you to someone else. If you ever do that. Not that I've ever bought anything from a telemarketer, but how I know this, I won't tell. But if you do express interest, they then route you to someone else who will sell the product to you. That there is a broken relationship. When you talk to someone about the Lord, when you are prepared to share the gospel with them, you don't need to hand them off to someone else. You need to go in there and you lead them to Christ yourself. Philip didn't hand off this eunuch to Peter. Philip led this man to Jesus. This is why churches need evangelism training. This is why you need to be able to pick up your Bible right here and you need to be able to confidently lead someone to Jesus. Can you do that? Can you pick up your Bible and you see a lost soul here in Lexington that God has brought in your path and you turn to John 3.16 and say, Sir, do you want to be saved? Do you know the Scriptures? Do you want to believe in Jesus? And ask them for them to bow their head right then and pray and receive Jesus. Maybe one of the reasons you and I don't receive a lot of opportunities on witnessing and telling 
other people about Jesus is plain and simple. You're not ready. You're not even prepared. If it were to happen, the first thing you would do is you might come find me or you do the David Dell handoff or you go find Peter or someone else and you hand them off to someone else. God wants you and I as believers to be able to lead people to Jesus. That's what happened right here. Keep going hearing this. This man, go back to verse 35. I'm sorry. Verse 35. What did Philip tell him? The good news about Donald Trump? The good news about voting Republican? Did they talk about Kentucky basketball that starts on Tuesday? Did they talk about the importance of voting and politics and NFL football? No. That's a temptation. God wants yours and I conversation to be about who? About this man right here. You take your conversations and you turn them to Jesus. And where do you find Jesus at? You find him in the Bible. You pick up your Bible and you say, read this verse right here. Let them read about John chapter 3, the story with Jesus and Nicodemus. What does it mean to be born again? What does it mean to believe in Jesus? Philip is sharing the good news. All right, next verse, verse 36 here. As they were traveling down the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, there's water. What would keep me from being baptized? Philip is a deacon, and he's about to baptize this man. They're traveling along, and there's water right there. And they didn't wait to receive believer's baptism. That eunuch saw the water and says, I need to follow along and receive believer's baptism. Do you know, I think a lot of times for us, if that type of question comes up, first thing we would be tempted to do is to pass out my phone number or email address or get them to talk to Brother Hurd or get them to talk to David Dell or Zach or Chris. Find a minister or a deacon. Jesus Christ wants you and I to be able to completely lead people all the way up. You might not actually baptize them, but you could be right there on the side watching and encouraging them in baptism. When is the last time you have led someone to Jesus and led them to the waters of baptism? Christ calls and wants folks to get saved and baptized. Guys, if the eunuch from Ethiopia can get baptized, you can get baptized. You can lead people to baptism. So look what happens here. Verse 37. So he ordered the chariot to stop. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and baptized him. Right there, they stopped. This man professed faith in Christ, and he became a baptized believer. Now this happened in Gaza. This happened in southern Israel. But this man is going to be the first Gentile in the book of Acts who's headed down to Africa as a new believer and is going to do great work down there. And the gospel is about to be planted. This is, this is church planning. Here in our town, there are so many folks from different countries. 
They come here to Lexington. They probably won't stay the rest of their lives here. They're here in our town for us to tell them about Jesus. And they're likely one day going to go back to their hometown, home, home countries. And hopefully they're going back. God brought them to this city to hear about the Lord. And then they will go back, hopefully, new, born again, baptized believers. Christ is, Christ is calling you and I. We need to also have the same attitude. If you look at verse 37. Look here at verse 37. I skipped this here. 37. Two more verses here on the board. All right, I'll read in the Bible here. Verse 37 here says, Oh, wait, I'm sorry. There is no verse 37. Look at that in your Bible. The verse 37 in the Christian Standard Bible at the bottom, it actually says, it's in the footnote. I'll read it here. It's at the very bottom. I'm sorry, Rob, look at that. That's a first. All right. Verse 36, if you look at, look at your footnote in your Bible, if you have the Pew Bible, because it will have it in there. Some, I'm at the very bottom, at the uh, very bottom of the page in the footnotes. Verse 36 footnotes. It says, some manuscripts include verse 37. Philip said, I knew it was, you know. <clears throat> he said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. There was not going to be anything that stopped this man from receiving baptism. Christ is saying, buddy, if you believe, what will prevent me from receiving this baptism? I also want to be a follower. And Philip closes the cell and says, you can. If you believe in your heart, if you trust in the Lord, you may also receive this baptism. And that, that is kind of the close that we see here that Philip is offering. All right, back here at verse 38. It, go, it goes on to say, So he ordered the chariot to stop, and both Philip and the eunuch went down the water, and he baptized him. Now look at this. When they came up out of the water, so they're coming out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him any longer, but went on his way rejoicing. So Philip vanishes when they're coming up out of this water. And all of a sudden, the man's gone. I'm like, goodness, where did he go? And it says here, where did he go? Verse 40, Philip appeared in Astos. And as he was traveling and preaching the gospel in all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Astos there was 40 miles north of Gaza. So all of a sudden, Philip just reappears. And then he just continued up to current day Caesarea, preaching and teaching the gospel. Philip is an evangelist. God had ordained and wanted this Ethiopian eunuch to hear the gospel. And Philip's main message, he was sensitive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And he asked the man, do you want to be saved? And what did he do? He explained the Scriptures. How do you lead someone to Christ? You use your Bible. 
You use your Bible and you lead them to the Lord. Look here on your handout. Application. Everyday living and travel can be evangelistic opportunities. God has put people in your path. God has, this week, He has ordained that you have conversations that lead people to Christ. I want to go over these things right here. It says, what makes a good missionary? A lot of us don't view ourselves as missionaries, but the Bible calls us to a great commission. In fact, I'm going to read it for you here. We have a great commission. It says here, in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus tells us that we are to live a life that is different. It tells us before Jesus uh, went up into heaven, this is what he did. It says here in verse 18, Jesus came near, in Matthew 28, 18, he said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. What do you do with them? How do you make disciples? You baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Trinity we talked about this morning. And what do you do? You teach them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus Christ gave us that commission. As believers, we are to be disciple makers. Disciple making means we invest and pour our lives into other folks. If you know someone who is not saved, Jesus wants us to make a disciple of them. That's why our men's ministry is targeting young men. That's why our men's ministry is saying we need to create connection points for maybe new folks who are here that maybe don't have a good group, a good circle, that they need to, they need to get to know others. Disciple-making, listen, is relationships. That's all it is. It's when you're going up to someone else and you're saying, what is God teaching you? How are you growing? How is the Lord working in your life? Do you view yourself as a disciple-maker? What makes a good missionary here? We have to love people. Christ calls us. If you don't like people, it's going to be hard for you to lead people to Christ. If you're a grumpy, unfriendly person, again, you're not going to have a lot of gospel opportunities. If you're a giver, if you're a cheerful person, if you're a generous person, do you know what happens to generous people? Generous people, givers, cheerful people, they come, people will come to you. They'll come and ask you to start making, for you to make disciples of them. You're using your resources, you're using your giftedness to advance the kingdom. That's loving people. Number two, what makes a good missionary? Reaching beyond barriers. Think about all the barriers here that's around us. Do y'all know what the biggest barrier in this city is? Not, not, it's not just inner city. Guys, it's everywhere. It is politics. It's out of control. Do you know a lot of folks won't even speak to someone that's voting different than them? They look at it and say, hey, you know, they're on that side, I'm on this side, and they're just different. That is a massive barrier. And the gospel breaks that barrier. Do you know Jesus wants all men and women to be saved? People that you view as enemies, Jesus died for them on the cross. People that you don't like and you refuse to forgive and you have a pure hatred for, Jesus loves them just as much as He loves you. God sent His Son to die for that person just as much as you on the cross behind me. 
We can't allow barriers to hinder us in our gospel sharing. Number three, we yield to the Spirit's guidance. Do you know what? This is actually my hardest thing. Do you know why? I'm too busy. I, Sherry and I, we live scheduled lives. If you tell me, you name a day and a time, I could tell you this whole week what I'm doing. You, you, this entire week, and really the next month or year, you name a day of the week and you name what time, I could write off pinpoint what I'm going to be doing. The problem with doing that, when you're that structured and you're that much on a schedule, you don't a lot of times allow the Holy Spirit to lead you. You know, probably one of my greatest gospel opportunities I ever had, leading someone to Christ, is um, Sherry's real big into Christmas pictures. And this had to be, gosh, probably 10, 11 years ago now. We went to a place called Tyrone, Georgia, to have our picture made at this film studio. Not film studio, it's a picture photo studio somewhere. A film studio, like we're a movie star or something. We go to this f- uh, photo studio, and we walk in, and you walk in, and there's like a receptionist, and then behind it's the photographer, and you check in, and you go get your picture made, like a portrait center. Well, we go there, and like there was somebody already in the back, of course, running late behind, so we're going to be waiting in the waiting room a little while. And somehow, I got in a conversation with the lady behind the desk. She asked me where we were from, and I told her, she asked what I did, we did for a living. I told her I was a pastor at a church, and once I said that, she started telling me about some of this. I don't, know, I don't know this woman from Eve or Adam. I have no clue who this lady is. She starts telling me about some of the things, she's problems she's having in life. And basically her life around her was just falling apart. Just problem after problem after problem. And she went on to make little comments such as she needs the Lord and she needs to start living better and She's brought this upon this herself, all these poor decisions. And I realized at that point, I was just there to get my picture made with the family photo. And God literally spoke to me and said, Daniel, share, share Jesus with her. Tell her about the Lord. She's, I mean, there was just, she's just talking about how she needs to put her life back together and how everything's falling apart. And I said, ma'am, um, uh, have you ever trusted Christ as your Savior? And she said, no, but I'd like to. I'd, I'd love to, as a matter of fact, she said. We right there in the waiting area. And Sherry's got the kids over here, they're running wild. That woman prayed right there in the, in the waiting area. We bowed our heads, and I led that young lady to Christ. That was completely unexpected. I had no clue who she was, I never saw her again. That woman was so appreciative of me telling her about Jesus. When someone is talking to you and, you, and they're starting to, maybe the conversation goes into the problems that they're experiencing, the challenges they have in life, yield to the Holy Spirit's leadership. That it might be that God has ordained that conversation for you, just like Philip did here with this Ethiopian eunuch. It wasn't an accident. This man was reading Isaiah 53. Philip came up in a chariot and starts using these scriptures to say, this person is talking about Jesus. Do you believe in Jesus? Follow 
the Holy Spirit's leadership in conversations. When the door opens, you ask them. Says, and the most basic question says, Ma'am, sir, have you received Jesus in your life? Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? That's all you have to say. Listen, all they can say is no. And remember, if they reject you, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting Jesus. All we are is we are a voice. God wants you and I to be a voice here in our city, in our state, for the Lord. That's pointing people just like Philip to the... But we have to be... If you are so busy to the point that you don't even have time to talk to other people, you will have very few gospel conversations because you're too busy. Number four, what makes a good missionary? Telling someone about Christ is obeying the Great Commission. We tell others about Jesus because it's obedience. Do you know, when we lead someone to Christ, we use the Bible, we use our Scriptures, we point the listener to Jesus, that's where the conversation should be going, and knowing that, we ask if that person wants to get saved and baptized. That's called closing the cell. What is the point of telling someone about Jesus if you don't give them an opportunity to receive Jesus? This is why our church has an invitation. Every single service we have here, you have an opportunity to come and respond to the gospel. You have, have, you have no, no idea who's going to respond. No clue how the Lord is working. All right, we have three final fill-in-the-blanks here. What does Philip not do? I want you to pull out your hand out because we're going to go through these. This is what Philip doesn't do. I think this is important because you will never do these things and lead people to Christ. Number one, Philip does not argue or debate. You don't debate someone and argue people into Jesus. Coming to Christ is conviction of sin. It's the Holy Spirit working in that person's life, moving and preparing for them to respond and trust in the Lord. They have to realize, if someone's going to be saved, they first have to realize they're a sinner. And secondly, they have to respond. It's not a, it's not a debate or an argument. Number two, use, this is what doesn't work, a canned evangelism approach. Meaning a canned evangelism approach is where you're just walking through something and you're not listening and responding to what they're saying. You're just trying to cover your verses. When you're sharing Christ with someone, they might have some questions about Scripture or about Jesus or about the Lord and you need to be prepared that the conversation might go that way but you answer those questions, and then you bring it back to Jesus. If the whole thing, if you're just going through a canned evangelism approach, maybe such as the Romans' road to salvation, and you're just only going to quote these scriptures from Romans, and they ask another scripture, and you, 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 you can't respond to it, or you don't even try to respond to it, or you tell them not to respond to it, they're going to realize, you know, this is like a cheesy sales pitch. This is fake. The goal of sharing the gospel is not just to get someone to bow their head and pray to receive Christ so you can go tell people on social media that you led someone to Jesus. The goal is to take that lost sinner 
and to make them a fully devoted follower and disciple of Jesus. And a lot of times in those conversations, they, they aren't cookie-cutter conversations at all. They're very rarely are cookie-cutter conversations. We want to raise up folks in disciple-making, and people come to Christ with messy lives. When someone comes to know Jesus, they're usually not tithing. They're usually not even going to church. They're usually, their family a lot of times not, is not together. They have broken family, broken relationships. There's a brokenness that sin has taken a toll in their life and God has placed you to be a messenger of sharing the gospel with them. Jesus will put back you. We can't expect lost people to live as a saved person would. First, that person has to give their life to Christ and slowly Christ will slowly begin changing them. Thirdly and finally, see here, we do not use cliches. A cliche is a, is a statement that you would, you would use, such as, you know, you need to get saved because once saved, you're always saved. That's why you need to get saved. Get your fire insurance so you don't go to hell. Just pray the prayer. I'll never forget the story. I had a friend one time go down to Jamaica on a mission trip. And he comes back, and he was a little bit disillusioned because he said every, all the children got saved. And they all said it was like their fifth or sixth time to get saved. And after they got saved, they wanted a piece of candy. <laughs> Meaning, they just thought, you pray and ask Jesus in your heart, you listen to what the people say, and you get your candy and you go on. And that's not the gospel. Jesus calls us that... We are asking someone, when they give their life to Christ, when they decide to be a follower of Jesus, they are giving their all. Born again, a born-again believer is someone who's saying, for the rest of my life, I will live for the Lord. I'm no longer going to live in this Babylonian spirit. I'm no longer going to drift away, as so many folks here in Lexington and our commonwealth certainly do. I'm going to stand and follow Jesus no matter how bad it gets. So what do we see in this passage here? This man, Philip, he had a gospel opportunity because he was sensitive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit and he had the boldness of sharing the good news, starting where he was at, using the Scriptures and leading him to Christ. Listen, that man went to Africa. And much of Africa... Is actually, do you know today where the fastest growing area of Christianity is at? It's in sub Sahara Africa. Now, Ethiopia is not in sub Sahara Africa. That would be in nor more northern East Africa. But south, southern Africa, Uganda, Kenya, Nigeria, that area is on fire for the gospel. This man here in Acts chapter 8 was the first one. We have no clue of the impact we're going to make. You and I tonight need to make a decision that we are going to be the one that's looking to share the good news. You can't be afraid. Remember, they do not reject you. They're rejecting Jesus. All we do is we use our mouth. We use our resources to point people to Christ. Will you make that promise? Will you say, I want to be a Philip. I want to begin looking for opportunities that God brings into my life. Lord, I pray for the folks tonight. I pray that we see this story here, and powerful story, the first Gentile in the book of Acts that's come to know you, 
This Ethiopian eunuch, a very unlikely person, a wealthy person, a person who could stop the chariot, a person who tended to the queen, I pray that we likewise, we respond the same way. We are not afraid of anything in telling other folks about Jesus. Lord, make our church an evangelistic church. Set a fire inside of us that was the same as Philip. Any opportunity of preaching and teaching the good news, this gentleman, this deacon, he would do it. God, I pray this invitation. If there's anybody here, just like that man in the eunuch, in the chariot, that he said, what is keeping me from being baptized? Lord, don't let anything keep us from responding. Lord, if there's someone here that needs to move their membership, they need to unite with this church by watch care, by baptism, or by faith in you. Lord, you have called us to be a part of a church family that we lead and make disciples of all nations. God bless this invitation. We give it to you tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to have our invitation. I want to invite everyone to stand up. I'll be standing down front waiting for you to respond to the gospel.